All right, none of that. I can grab my wine here. I have the visual for that. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to have a little sip of wine. We're going to start the summer episode right there. We're not going to get this back to that. This is not wine. This is kava. Okay, yes. The, the sparkling kava. Oh, sparkling. It, it, but it's good summer. It, 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 the kava is Spanish for wine. Am I, am I incorrect in that? I don't think you're incorrect. Either. All right. So I can say sparkling wine and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome into the summer episode. You know who loves summer? Who? At least as far as I can imagine, is our guest later. We'll get into the conversation with Bert Kreischer. And oh, here's God, why yes. I think Bert has to like summer. A, whenever he's on stage, he never has a shirt on. Well, of course. And B, anytime he's in public, he's probably wearing the Speedo. So I would have to think. <laughs> and he grew up in Florida, too. So, I mean, I mean, he's a guy that we're going to get to that conversation in a little mm-hmm. bit in the summer episode. I think we are a little bit jaded living here on the beach. Oh, my gosh, yes. Some of the things that people love about summer, I, I think we get all the time. Warm temps, mm-hmm. right off the top. If you Google, what do people love about summer? I mean, I assume most people love summer. I, I, I get it. I get it. There's probably that like 1% or 2% that are, hey, I don't like summer. It's too hot. And I got to wait for it to cool. <laughs> I get it. There's somebody like that on my Facebook page. I, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Stop, stop it. it. All right. Just wait for your pumpkin spice latte in a couple months. And that's going to come out like in a month when it's still hot out. That's true. All right, but the things that people love uh, about summer, I think we are somewhat jaded. We have all the time. If you Google what do people love about summer, okay. warm taps. Yes, okay, of course. Yeah, okay. Bright blue skies. We get that all the time around mm-hmm. here. Going to the beach. We are very fortunate, and, and people use the term blessed. It's okay. It is two blocks away. Very fortunate, and we that's where we love to be. We take a walk around your neighborhood. Anyone can do it. You can get out of your house. You can go for a walk. That just happens to be our neighborhood. And that's where I get the most jaded is at the beach because it's like that is our that's our everyday walk right right and it's i'm not being what is it braggadocious somebody said no that's just our freaking walk because that's where we live i mean sometimes you have a beautiful mountain walk because that's where you live but does your walk get inundated with people like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every yeah. time that there's a holiday or they get a three-day weekend ours does right. and I, I do get a little bitter i worry about the little bbc turtles i worry about our environment i Ooh. worry about the plastics in the ocean Sea turtles. We helped one cross the other day. I did my good deed as we literally stopped traffic and and, and another motorist who was at, right across the highway, which is literally separating our house from the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we stopped traffic and we made sure the turtle got across. Here's one that people love that I will not do about summer. Okay, swimming in the ocean. I will walk next to it. <laughs> I will let it come up to my knees, uh-huh. but I'm not swimming in it. I almost drowned when I was a kid. Okay. Oh, I, all right. I, I guess I mean I did. If when the lifeguard has to jump in and pull you out and the next thing you remember is you're on the side of the pool mm-hmm. waking up, coughing up water, you drown. So yeah, I, I drowned as a kid in That's a wave so pool. Well, yes. And so to this day, I don't like being in water over my head. It's just, I'm, I'm one of those guys, hotel pool, fantastic that's like five <laughs> feet and i can walk around and i can be the man there but i don't like like if i get into anything near six feet where i'm needing to bob up and down uh-huh. to make sure that i'm above the water that freaks me out i'm not a fan of the surf either i mean i don't like being in water where i can't see what's below me right and oftentimes when you're in the surf i mean you can be up to your waist and not be able to see your toes and that freaks me out because i know that there are a lot of things in the ocean especially where we are i mean just down the road is like the shark bite capital. So I'm not a fan of it, but I did discover something in my mid 20s that I'm okay as long as I'm under the water instead of just 
bobbing on top of it. Well, speaking of being under the water, as we start the summer, of course, every summer starts with a huge tabloid story. In the past couple of weeks, it mm-hmm. has been the tragedy of Ocean Gate. Yes. And now as time passes and we get away from the tragedy, you can see there were warning signs a- a- ahead of time. Oh gosh. I mean, the guy bragged about using carbon fiber, which now it turns out probably not the best thing to be exposed <laughs> over and over to the pressures mm-hmm. uh, of deep sea diving. More importantly, I think as we look back and you can see that some of the warning signs that were there, it was named Ocean Gate. Gate? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Not like Heaven's Gate. You, you, not like Watergate, Heaven's Gate? You couldn't call it anything else. Not Ocean Depth? You couldn't call it Ocean Explorer? You couldn't call it Ocean anything other than Gate? Yeah. <laughs> warning signs were there, people. That's all I'm saying. There has been an endless supply of people that have come out after this tragedy saying, well, I turned down an opportunity or that could have been me. I mean, I've literally seen, I don't know, probably a dozen of them in the last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People said that they, they didn't want to go. You had your own tragedy or, or at least damn near one uh, diving. I do not go underwater. Like I said, mm-hmm. I don't I don't like having water over my head. There's no way I would ever be interested in doing that. But you uh, had gone scuba. And yeah. you, had, you had an issue. Well, yeah. When I was in my 20s, I I wanted to be PADI certified. I lived in Miami. I loved being near the ocean or I like being under the water, which is super weird. I just don't like bobbing above it. But when I was getting my certification, my PADI certification, so what they do is they, they put you through schoolroom classes, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to pass all the tests. Much like when we went skydiving. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you graduate to the next level. Well, for Patty, it was going to the Venetian pool and right. then putting on your equipment and swimming around in the in the natural swimming pool. All right. Everything was fine. Did great. And then so the next thing you do are your open dives. And you're supposed to do multiple dives over a weekend in order to get your certification. Fine. We went out there. First day, everything goes fine. Second day, first dive went great. It was the last dive on the second day that where things went seriously sideways. Right. So we went down and there was a group of people and I was there with my then very, very good friend and the instructors and then some other diving people. Well, he took us to a wreck. And as first time divers that are just getting your you certification, do- I, I'm not someone that knows anything about this. You shouldn't be doing that as a first timer. No, you should not be doing that as a first timer. And you shouldn't have been going down to the depths that we were going down to. I mean, we were going down to I, I want to say that it was like close to 90 feet, which wow. is it, it's that's I think that's it's that a few different atmospheres, which the important part is that you have to take your time coming back up in the bends get the, the, because of the uh, bubbles of air in exactly your yeah see this is my jeopardy knowledge <laughs> so we're down <laughs> exploring this wreck which was truly amazing i mean it was absolutely amazing and had not things got weird i probably would have really gotten into this sport but there was an older uh, gentleman and i'm using that term very loosely um down there diving with us and he panicked He panicked in the middle of this wreck. I don't know what happened, but I was in his direct line of sight when he panicked and was starting hyperventilating. And he reached out and he grabbed my, my, uh, it's, it's not your spare is an octopus, but he, he grabbed my air source, your respirator yeah. on your mouth. He took it. He out literally, yes, he took it out of my mouth because he had panicked so much that he had gone through all of his oxygen. So he was just reaching for whatever he could reach oh, for. Oh, good God. Yeah. Now, one of the things that they teach you is the proper way to do it. Like you signal to your partner that you're diving with, that you're having issues and there's a procedure for it. 
they can take a breath and then they take their respirator and they give it to you so you can take a breath and you do like this buddy system until you get to where you need to be or you get to safety. This dude did not abide. First of all, I wasn't even his diving partner, so he shouldn't have been anywhere near me. And he definitely shouldn't have grabbed my respirator. And then he just tried to shoot to the top holding on to my equipment. So I had to have a like almost a little like fight with him. Had to bust I, out the knife. <laughs> diving knife. I, did, I do have I still have it in my <laughs> I know drawer. You do. I, I know did not I did not bust knife. out the knife, but I did get my respirator back from him. And because he had used so much of my oxygen at this point, I ended up having to do that buddy share system with the person who was actually my diving partner until we could spend enough time to come up without being getting the bends. You want to talk about coming back onto a boat with an attitude. <laughs> like I'm getting flushed right now just thinking about it because I don't tell this story often because I mean, it's just, it's true. People will cut corners, you know, when they think that the, that people aren't watching and bad shit can happen. Well, okay. Now I'm just reminded of another summer experience that we have had together. And you talk about diving underwater, but we have gone skydiving together. Yes. And that was an experience in and of itself. I have gone twice in my life. Mm -hmm. First time I went, I stuck that landing like my name was Mary Lou Retton. Like <laughs> I, I, I was coming off there beaming. I should have been on a Wheaties box. I was so happy, so proud. Literally come down. And if you don't know, like you said, much like the uh, scuba diving, you have uh -huh. to take some uh, classroom classes. And there's three different ways you can land. You can land it by actually, like I said, much like a gymnast sticking that, that point landing. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also come in running a little bit if you're coming in with a crosswind. There's also, if it's a very uh, hairy situation, you can come in on your ass, right? Yes. You can just kind of scoot along. Yes. So... Uh, as I knew this, I didn't pay as much attention in the classes when we went together because I had been through it. I kind of knew what I'm doing. And also, these are tandem jumps. Mm -hmm. So basically, my theory is I'm trusting the dude on my back because he doesn't want to die either. I just know when we come out of there, the two things you need to do, you need to arch your back and your feet to get them out of everyone's way. Yep. And just pay attention to what he's saying beside you yes. or, or behind you, I should say. So as we're going up, mm -hmm. uh, everyone, you have to sit straddle. Uh, you straddle the person uh, in front of you, straddles between your legs, and everyone is packed in the plane that way. Mm -hmm. You are packed in maybe uh, two or three in front of me. Yes. And when you went through this, this is simply, you weren't even scheduled to go. This was a, uh, a friend of ours had backed out and decided at the last minute they didn't want to do it. They had a shoot already packed and they just looked at you and said, hey, you sat in this class. Do you want to go and jump with us? Yes. And had I thought about it, I would have said no, but it all happened so quickly. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Let's do it. Well, when you say happen real quickly, and I get into this with our conversation coming up with Burt Kreischer, the machine new movie available now, and we'll get into that. But with you, when we're in the plane, and like I say, two or three in front of me, and I get into this with Bert when we talk to him, there's no feeling like seeing your wife sucked out of a plane. It is, <laughs> you know what it's like when you go to the bank, you put that thing in the chute, the boom, that's what it's like. If you can imagine, and you didn't have to see that from me. I mean, no, you saw it from your perspective, but you're looking at the plane, you're paying attention to the person, you're not looking at me. I'm looking at my wife, boom. Yeah, they said uh, jump, and I'm okay. Okay, and, and at that point, you know, my fingers are crossed. I just hope she's okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, and then I go out with my guy. And uh, we, by the way, had just had a major storm come through the area. We had actually delay the jump mm -hmm. for about 45 minutes because of the storm. And when we get out of the plane, I am 14,000 feet in the air when I hear the gentleman on my back, no longer attached to the plane, nor am I. And he says, oh, shit. <laughs> Not just once, but maybe four or five times. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And I, and, and I, I clearly say, oh, shit. What? 
And uh, to, he, he says, wait, 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 wait. I got it. And what oh he had God. got, and if you see the photos, and we do have those available, is uh, when we came out of the plane, I'm upside down. Mm-hmm. Somehow the wind caught us, and so the parachute is underneath us while I am on top. We flip over, get turned around properly. However, we didn't land back at the jump site. We had to land somewhere, basically in somebody's backyard. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I had the time, uh, damaged my knee. Turns out it maybe sprained it a little bit. It was, it was a rough landing. You Flew through a cloud for I don't know how long. A long time. I I flew through a cloud for what felt like I don't know minutes, and it was it was very strange. Um, I'm glad I did it once. I don't plan on doing it again. Now, retrospectively, again, maybe there were some things that could have been done differently, but we all turned out okay. And let me tell you, it was the longest 45 minutes waiting. Because me. they, yeah, they hadn't heard from you. <laughs> they lost communication, if you will, because you guys didn't have your cell phones for whatever reason and they didn't know where you landed. Right. So for 45 minutes, uh, lost calm, I think is the term that I've seen thrown around for the last week. And before we get to our guest, uh-huh. uh, Bert Kreischer, I do have this picture to show you. Do, you don't even know I have this on my phone. Look at this phone. Okay. Right here, picture. Tell me what you see. I went straight to Bert Speedo. Like, <laughs> He would love to hear that. He would love to hear that. That's I I, I bypassed. Actually, I bypassed all of Bert and I went straight to the Speedo. (laughs) And then I had to figure out, well, who in the hell is where? This has got to be a Fourth of July picture. Well, what what that is, that is the machine standing on one massive machine. Mm -hmm. That that boat has four engines on the back. And that is the machine standing on machine on Lake Machine again. Actually, that is in Michigan where they took that. And that was just last weekend. That that boat he, moves. He was out doing that. And speaking of the machine, his new movie was out in theaters. You can now get it on demand. You can buy it. You can rent it. You can watch it. So much fun having a great conversation when we caught up with Bert Kreischer. All the time. Bert, brother, I appreciate you calling in. We do need to talk about the new special. But before we get there, what about the house construction? Last time I saw online, you know, you're doing the Facebook Live stuff. And uh, is it close to being done yet? Uh, it's, uh, no promises, but it should be done when I get home. I'm in New York right now. Right. And my wife said it should be done. We got the countertops in. The bathroom's all set. And so as soon as that, we're going to move into that section of the house and let them redo the other bathroom. Well, I, I would hope. I saw the last time I checked in and I was watching on the Facebook Live, it was your daughter coming out of the porta potty. That's got to be rough for a kid. Oh, she loves it. You know, when you, when you grow up, and I'm not saying I'm rich, but when you grow up without, you know, not broke, yeah. the idea of having a porta potty in your front yard is almost like romantic. <laughs> If that's romance for your daughter, I don't even want to know about her dating habits when she gets older. Oh, like they stuff like that, like skipping rocks for them as a treat. They're like, "Whoa, can you believe this?" I'm like, "Yeah, that was called our iPhones when we were kids." Yeah, and that's about right. Now I know you've got the new special coming out, but if people don't know, the story of the machine goes back to a true story when you were in college, right? Yes, when I was 22, I got involved with the Russian mafia, and uh, we robbed a train. <laughs> and that's not a joke. That is that actually happened. That is a true story. <laughs> it's not a joke at all. And uh, and yeah, and I, I it was a story. It was a story that I told my friends. You know, it was like not a comedy story. And then I told it on Joe Rogan's podcast, and it just changed my life. Like Joe, number one, was like. 
very it was very wise of him but he said you need to tell that on stage I was like I don't tell it on stage and he said listen if you listen to this right now you make him tell that on stage do not let him get off stage without telling it so I was forced into telling it on stage and I figured out how to tell it and then all of a sudden it changed my stand up because I figured oh well if I can do a 12 minute story and get an applause break I can definitely figure out shorter ones and quicker ones and and then I, it really like it just changed the way I worked and, and defi- redefined me yeah I mean it's more about telling those personal stories and finding the humor than the quote-unquote telling jokes. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's a, p- a place for all of us. Like, I love what Anthony Cheselnik does with, like, those short misdirections, right. edgy stuff. I love what Tosh does. I love what Bill Burr does with his rants about, like, politics and, and pol- political correctness. I love what Rogan does about all the psychedelic spirituality. But, you know, what my strong suit is is just crazy stories, and I'm just someone who's had a life where these bizarre things have happened to me, where I fought a bear and, and chained lions and drank goat's blood with a Maasai chief and, and you know, rode a motorcycle high on ash in Vietnam. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, and people don't know, going back to your college years where the story of the machine came, uh, now, Rolling Stone magazine named you the number one party guy in America. What was the official title? Rolling Stone magazine called me the number one party animal in the country. Okay. It was wrote a six-and-a-half-page article about me saying that uh, that I was the best partier around. And, it, that, dude, that was like, I mean, all, all of a sudden I I got the nerve to try stand-up. Oliver Stone optioned the rest of my life. I moved to New York. Will Smith discovered me. That really changed my life right there. Yeah. That's like a game-changer. Well, it's got to be trippy. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, all these big names that you sit back and normally, you know, back in the day you're popping in a tape watching on your VCR or DVD player or whatever, and all of a sudden these guys are once tapping you on the shore going, yeah, man, we want to tell your story. Yeah, and, and uh, it caught me off guard, you know, and this is before what reality reality television and social media right. was around, so there was no frame of reference for that kind of fame. Like, being in a magazine was a big deal, and uh, and I mean, I got recognized everywhere. I mean, I, my first night in, in, in New York, I'm at a bar called Mary Lou's, and there's this guy just hounding me. He's like, dude, I just read about you. I just read about you on the plane. You're the party animal. We got to do a shot. We got to do a shot. And I'm like, in my head, my first night in New York, I'm like, I have this, and I'm like, this is how it's going to be every single night. And I look over, and the girl I'm with is losing her mind. And I was like, I was like, what? She's like, I can't believe David Lee Roth knows who you, who you are. <laughs> And I was like, holy crap. I was like, we're definitely doing a shot. And then him and Harvey Keitel came over and we did a shot. It is overwhelming. Now, your your life story that, that they optioned to a film, that became what was known as uh, National Lampoon's Van Wilder, right? Yeah, yeah. The movie, uh, they optioned a the script and a bunch of guys wrote scripts and then the option fell out. And one of the guys who wrote a script turned around, sold it to the National Lampoon, and it began the movie Van Wilder. I mean, and it really does show the life of the party animal. But now, I mean, you had all these other TV shows. And it just kind of shows, like, what a soft, cuddly guy you are. And when I talked to you before, everyone knows what a wussy Burt really is. Uh, I am a terrific wussy. <laughs> Literally, I am a I am a shaky coward. <laughs> I mean, the night I was the, I was the first person to jump off the stratosphere, and the night uh, before I had a panic attack and was throwing up in a bathtub, calling my wife, telling her I was going to run away to the desert and not to worry. <laughs> Oh, I jumped out of a plane with Rachel Ray, and I was having a panic attack, and I grabbed her by the leg. I was like, Ray Ray, I can't do this. <laughs> Ray Ray. 
I can't do this. I'm getting out of here. And she's like, you'll be fine. Just don't watch me go out the door. And then her and her go, dude go out like like a bullet. Like, yeah. I literally freak out and start grabbing everyone. Everyone who's not wearing a parachute. It is it is chaos in there, and they just threw me out of the plane. Oh, there's there's nothing like it. And I, I've done it with my wife. I watched my wife jump before me. There's nothing like seeing your wife sucked out of the side of the plane. She goes, there, and then you think, ah. Hope she's all right. Nothing I can do now. Immediately, I thought, that's going to happen to me? (laughs) (laughs) I like the Ray Ray part, because, you know, a lot of celebrities, maybe it's Ray Lewis, maybe even Sugar Ray Leonard. No, Rachel Ray is your Ray Ray. It's my Ray Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I cannot wait to see this. Bert, I wish we had more time. Best to you and the family. Good luck on the house construction. I'm sure we'll Uh, be talking again soon. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the love.